everyone. Uh, we're very thin on the ground here in Bigger this morning, but hopefully there are folk who will be watching online. We know that many, many of our church members, not just families with young children, but other church members are now self-isolating, having had a positive test in the household. So uh, we will enjoy our worshipping together, just a few of us, but also hope that folk will enjoy joining with us online. We're going to start by singing uh, another wonderful carol, one of my favorites. And because I'm leading the service today, I get to choose. So you get my favorites today. And we're singing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Loving God, we thank you for this season of Christmas, for all it has meant to us so many over the years, all it continues to mean to us and all it will mean to generations to come. You have given us so much. Receive our praise. We thank you for carols old and new, for familiar and much-loved words of scripture, for all that speaks of your coming among us in Christ. You have given us so much. Receive our praise. We thank you for reunions with family and friends, for the spirit of giving and receiving, for the mood of goodwill and celebration. You have given us so much. Receive our praise. We thank you for all the good things we have enjoyed, good food, good company, good fun. You have given us so much. Receive our praise. Loving God, help us in all of this to keep sight of the heart of Christmas, what it all really means. To celebrate the birth of the infant Christ, to worship him as joyfully and reverently as shepherds and wise men long ago, to welcome and follow him faithfully as those who left everything to be his disciples. You have given us so much. Receive our praise. Loving God, forgive us if we have lost sight of what this season truly means. Forgive us if we have become over-familiar with its simple yet wonderful message. Forgive us if we have failed to make room for Christ in our Christmas celebrations. You have given us so much. Receive our praise. Speak to us now, we pray, through all that we shall do and share all we shall sing and hear, so that our lives may be touched by the wonder of his presence. You have given us so much. Receive our praise through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to read you a story this morning. Um, It's a lovely book that Mike got recently. Um, You can see the cover here. Jesus was a refugee. So the pictures will be on the screen, I hope. Oh, I forgot the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and read the story. So if we can have the first slide, please. My name is Jesus, son of Joseph, son of David, son of Abraham. And this is my family. This is Bethlehem, where I was born. Bethlehem was my home. Now, it is not my home. We can visit, but it's not safe to stay for too long. Not while the son of bad King Herod sits on the throne. 
When we visit Bethlehem, I play with the girls. There are no boys my age in Bethlehem. The women in Bethlehem are sad. My aunties cry a lot when they see me. My name is Jesus. I am a refugee. My name is Joseph, son of Jacob, son of David, son of Abraham. This is my wife Mary and our son Jesus. I am a refugee. Let me tell you our story. When our son was small, wise men came. They said our son would be king. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and precious myrrh. One night, an angel spoke to me in a dream. Get up, grab your son, go to Egypt. King Herod is looking for your boy. He wants to kill him. We fled. We hid. We walked and we walked to Egypt. Welcome to border security, Mr. Joseph. So you wish to enter Egypt. If we could just review your documents. It says here that you are Joseph, son of Jacob. But it says here you are Joseph, son of Heli. What is your father's name? Tell me who you are, Mr. Joseph. You say you're from Bethlehem. But it says here you're from Nazareth. Where do you really come from, Mr. Joseph? Did you say this woman is your wife and this boy is your son? But the dates on these two certificates are a little irregular. Is this really your family, Mr. Joseph? Ooh, gold, frankincense, and precious myrrh. I'll look after these for you. Welcome to Egypt, Mr. Joseph. Then one night, the angel returned and spoke to me in a dream. Get up, grab your son, go back to Israel. King Herod is dead. We left Egypt. We walked. And we walked to Bethlehem. But it still wasn't safe to stay in Bethlehem. So we walked and walked to Nazareth in Galilee. Nazareth is now our home. My name is Joseph. This is my wife Mary and our son Jesus. Do not forget, never forget, Jesus was a refugee. We're going to sing again and we're going to sing as with gladness. So let's stand to sing. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. They escaped to Egypt. When they, the wise men, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was, ful and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Then from Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in nature sorry being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross thanks be to god thank you mike let us pray Lord Jesus, as we come to read your word and this familiar story again, we pray that you would inspire us to see it afresh, open our eyes to see what you want us to see and our ears to hear what you want us to hear. Speak, O Lord. Amen. For the last couple of years, our world has, been, has experienced two major global crises. The first one, as I look out at you wearing your masks, is very obvious. The pandemic has, has affected almost every country in the world. 
And whilst there is clearly inequality in the availability of good health care and vaccinations, the disease itself has struck people from every tribe and nation. Never in our lifetimes has something like this occurred. And to some extent, we've seen the nations of the world working together to fight COVID. Of course, we'd like to see more collaboration and selfish, selflessness, but there's been some evidence of it, which is encouraging. The second global crisis, which may not be so obvious to us here in Bigger, is the ever-increasing number of displaced people. None of us will forget the images of that little Syrian boy, Alan Kurdi's body on the beach in 2015. And yet within the last month, even more lives, including children, have been lost as people in their desperate desperation have tried to get to the UK. I realised as I was preparing for today that it's a couple of years ago next Sunday when I showed a video here in church teaching safe birthing techniques that were transforming the lives of the rural people of Afghanistan, many of whom had, before they did this training, lost 10 or 11 babies at birth or soon after. For many of the people who are involved in projects like that, life was turned upside down when the Taliban took over the country earlier this year. And I was involved in a very small way in um, praying for and helping in a very small way to have some people leave the country, both expats and nationals. And one flight that I heard of took 100 female judges out of Afghanistan to safety. We've got friends who are working on the border with Afghanistan, providing help to those who've made it to cross the border. Some of those who managed to get onto those flights are still sitting in countries in the Middle East with no idea of where they will be able to go next or where they will ever call home. Displaced, uprooted, homeless and afraid. When Rachel was about eight and we were living on the border of Burma with Thailand, I found her crying. Some of you who've read my book will have heard this story, but I found her crying on the stairs saying, it's not fair. And I thought she and Ailey had had a fight, because isn't that what you say when you have a fight with your sister? It's not fair. But actually, she was crying because she realized that not far away, just across the border, many people, including children of her own age, were living in the jungle, displaced, without proper shelter or food or the chance to go to school. And she was distraught at the injustice of it all. And what she said very loudly, what she shouted at me, was, it's not fair, they're just like me. And she'd hit the nail on the head. So often when we hear stories of refugees or those who've been displaced or see images on the news, we subconsciously think of them as them and us. We can't identify and so we somehow accept their suffering and get on with our lives. But there is no them and us. They are no different and their pain is no less than ours would be in the same situation. But thankfully, even when we can't see that, God does. 
In fact, as we think about the Christmas story today, this theme of displacement jumps out all over the place. It's one giant story about displacement. I've identified four times it comes up, but you may find more. Firstly, from the passage that Mike read to us from Philippians, perhaps not a common Christmas reading, but this passage tells us of what Jesus gave up to come to earth as first a baby and then a man. He was displaced from heaven in order to live on earth. We read that the king of kings, the son of God, the author of creation, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus chose to be displaced from heaven to earth in order for God's plan of redemption to be carried out. God didn't boot him out of heaven, but Jesus left his heavenly home and lived on earth because of his great love for us. Can you imagine what that must have been like to be God and to choose to become man? And yet it was all part of God's plan. Secondly, from the passage from Luke that Mike read to us, Mary and Joseph were displaced from their hometown of Nazareth to Bethlehem because of the greed of a despotic dictator who wanted to count everyone really to make sure he could get as many taxes out of people as he could. The passage in Luke doesn't tell us much. You would imagine that if Joseph was of the house and lineage of David, and therefore originally his family came from Bethlehem, that they might have family relatives there. And yet we read that Jesus was laid in a manger because there was no room in the inn. They were strangers. The dispossessed, the people on the outside, the displaced And yet it was all part of God's plan. I may be pushing my luck a little bit with my third example of displacement in this story, but it follows on very soon after the displacement of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. You see, there's displacement even around Jesus' birth. He should have been born in their home, probably with their mothers there to help with the confinement and the delivery. Maybe Elizabeth would have been there too. Our Bible study group, when we were looking at uh, Mary's song that she sings in Elizabeth's home, noticed that when Mary went to see Elizabeth, Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy, and Mary stayed for three months. So it sounds as if Mary may well have been there to help Elizabeth. Elizabeth was old. She wouldn't have had parents to help her with her delivery. But Mary stayed and helped with Elizabeth's delivery of John. Jesus should have been born in a safe environment with family around. And yet he is born in an unsanitary place where animals were fed. And it makes me think back to that video, Life's First Cry, that I showed you of the birthing trainings in Afghanistan. I remember one of the Afghan women talked about how she used to give birth and she is the one who'd lost 10 or 11 children in the cattle shed amongst the filth it was only when they were taught about cleanliness that their babies didn't die of tetanus picked up in those cattle sheds 
Jesus' birth, humanly, was in the wrong place. He was displaced even as he was being born. And yet, it was all part of God's plan. The final story of displacement that I want to talk about is the obvious one. We heard the story earlier when I read the version of it from this book. And Mike read it to us from Matthew chapter 2. This displacement took years a couple of years, took place a couple of years after Jesus was born, after the visit of the wise men, which we celebrate next week at Epiphany. And yet we think of it as part of the Christmas story. The Holy Family fleeing for their lives to a country that was not their own. Herod was furious about this rival king that the wise men told him had been born in Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. He was a dreadfully superstitious man who was known for his cruelty and his paranoia. His murder of all the boys aged two and under was devastating. Jesus would certainly have died if God hadn't told Joseph in a dream to run. And so they, like many since, fled their homes and went to a strange place where they wouldn't have understood the language or the culture, where they would have been looked down on and treated as the outsiders. And yet, that was all part of God's plan. Displacement, as we've seen it in the Christmas story, and as some of us may have experienced personally, brings discomfort, uncertainty, loss, grief, and stepping out into the unknown. None of these things are things we would ever choose to embrace. And yet through each act of displacement in this story, God was working out his purpose. God was bringing together all the stories and the prophecies for the salvation of the world. The stories and the prophecies of the people of Israel in order to make it possible for lives and communities across history and geography to be transformed by encounter with Jesus. As we reflect on the discomfort, uncertainty, loss, grief and displacement that each of us has experienced in different ways over this last year. Let us ask God for the faith to trust that he has been working out those same purposes in our lives as he did in that first Christmas. That through our own experiences and the lives of others, we will be transformed by encounter with Jesus, the Savior of the world. This invitation to embrace discomfort, uncertainty, grief, displacement, and the unknown that will come in, definitely come our way in different ways in the new year, is one that, if accepted, will truly draw us into a deeper dependence and experience of God. He remains faithful to us through every comfort and discomfort. And our lives and the lives of those we love and serve will be the richer for the displacement we might meet. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that because you went through this, You know what it's like when we go through it. Thank you that your word promises 
that all things, all things work together for good for those who trust you. And so, Lord, as we face the unknown this year, whatever our circumstances, we ask that we will embrace whatever comes to us, knowing that we can trust you, that you will work it out for good, and that you will bring your plans to fruition. We pray in your name. Amen. We're going to sing again. And uh, I don't know why, but for some reason the pulpit is freezing this morning, so this is very apt. We're going to sing together in the bleak midwinter. Let's stand to sing. Our prayers this morning will be responsive. So when I say friend of the friendless, could I ask you to respond, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you came to our world, but there was no place for you. You came to your own people, but they were not ready to receive you. You were born in Bethlehem, but there was no room for you in the inn. You walked among us, sharing our humanity, but had no place to rest your head. You returned to your hometown, but were without honor in your own country. You came to bring life to all, but you were put to death on a cross. You know what it is to be homeless, hungry, abandoned, rejected. And so we bring you our prayers for all those who endure such need today. Friend of the friendless, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have no roof over their head or no place to call home, waiting perhaps on council housing lists or evicted because they cannot pay the rent, homes destroyed by natural disaster or left behind as they flee from persecution or the threat of war. Friend of the friendless, hear our prayer. We pray for those who live in poor and overcrowded conditions, in shanty towns or refugee camps, hostels or bed and breakfast accommodation, tenement blocks or run-down slums, for those who sleep rough on the streets. Friend of the friendless, hear our prayer. We pray too for those who feel they have no place in society, the unemployed, the poor, the lonely, the oppressed, the persecuted, the terminally ill. Friend of the friendless, hear our prayer. Lord, reach out, Lord Jesus Christ, reach out to all those who face such situations. Grant the assurance that you care, cover courage to believe in the future and strength to meet the present. Friend of the friendless, hear our prayer. Grant your help to all those who offer help. Lord, prompt us to know how to be the answer to our own prayers for those who are in need. Give your support to those who campaign for justice. Your blessing to all who seek to bring hope where there is only hopelessness. Friend of the friendless, 
hear our prayer. May we with them make your love real and practical. Show your compassion, working together for your kingdom. Friend of the friendless, hear our prayer. For in your name we ask it. Amen.